Welcome to the weekend must watch on Intercut, where we wade our way through theaters, streaming, and on demand. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, do you know why he's here? It's Arturo Zurita. To talk movies like every week, Zach. Uh, we are literally right at the cusp of entering that May season where we're going to get so many blockbusters. I was looking at May and I was like, oh, it looks like a pretty decent month. Then I was looking at June and I was like, okay, we are back in business. Yeah. Uh, and then streaming's full throttle. And then it's crazy to think that that's not even the biggest thing we have for this week. <laughs> there is so much television, you would swear <laughs> that there is an Emmy's deadline right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, it is insane the amount of TV that we're dealing with. I mean, thankfully, uh, the big release movies took basically a week off to kind of clear the room for Doctor Strange 2. But it's left us with a pile of TV to work through. And we, we've started to make our way through that pile on this week. We're going to hit on a bunch of different shows from HBO, from Netflix, from Hulu, from may, maybe even some some from uh, channels that we don't talk about as often. But we are... Tubi's making originals now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, crazy. it's all over the place. It's peak, peak TV. Remember, like, what was it, 10 years ago, John Landgraf said that we were approaching peak TV? I feel like maybe, hopefully, we finally got here now that, like, all these stock prices are taking hits and maybe Netflix is going to scale back on production a little Money bit. Money left and right. Uh, but it's, we'll see. it's left us wading through a whole lot right now. So without delaying too much, why don't we get into the what we're watching? And let's start it off actually with some stuff that's in theaters. Uh, we did want to give a quick shout out to Hatching, which is going to, which mm -hmm. hit theaters this weekend, and it's probably the best horror option out there for those of you who are living the the hashtag horror lifestyle. Uh, but the that one's going to be available on VOD. I think it was May seventeenth. Isn't that crazy? Even more than VOD, I believe it's getting picked up as well by a streaming service. I don't have it right off the top. Mm -hmm. uh, once we get to that week, yeah, in one week it'll be out. Uh, for you to get the comfort of your own home. But I think this is one that if you were interested in it, I think I was on the happier side. I'm not even happier. I think I was more on the uh, joyous side of how crazy of a body creature feature yeah. this one was out of Sundance. So I know we talked about it more over there, but uh, if the trailer intrigues you, I think it's worth catching. It delivers for sure. At least. But if not, definitely catch it once it gets home. And I, I'm pretty sure it's streaming somewhere. So you, you may already be paying for ability to see it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is you don't have to wait that long for even those theatrical exclusives uh, except for basically the A24 ones, unless it seems like, but you know, Ambulance is yep. available to rent at home now, too. That hurts, yeah. man. I was, I was telling Alina, I was like, I don't know if this is just what happens when you get older. Time just moves differently. But I told her, I'm like, I swear to you, it's because these releases are happening too fast. The lifespan of a movie has been cut short to the point that it feels like time is going faster than it really is. And we started talking about like midnight releases and now they're 10 o'clock. So now Doctor Strange is premiering on Thursday at like 2 p.m. So it's like the entire, all of it has just completely shifted. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the biggest release in theaters this weekend, which I didn't get around to, but Art, you are back back in the adventures with Liam Neeson, who has some more people to take care of, some more family to avenge or crimes to solve or, or something to do where Steven Seagal no longer will go. I don't know why the... the <laughs> 
you know, esteemed actor Liam Neeson has just really dedicated his career to these kind of like schlocky action flicks for more than a decade now, but he's still churning them out. Uh, this one, Memory, seems to be taking some some pages out of Memento's notebook, which, uh, granted, Memento is one of my favorite films ever, but I don't know. Yep. Do, you, do you feel like this one <laughs> holds up at all? Well, you know it also has Guy Pierce, yeah. right? Like, I did not realize Guy Pierce was in the movie, so then he appears. I was like, well, that's, you know, he's like talking to Liam Neeson, seeing all the notes in his arms, and he's like, you should probably use photographs. <laughs> They help a little bit better. Um, yeah, so this is a remake of a Dutch film back from 03. So it, it's not copying Memento. Or Memento wasn't copying it because I think Memento is 2000. 2002 This would be something? an 03. No, yeah, 2000, it's favorite. an 03 movie that has like three different names. It's Memory of a Killer originally. But then it's also like uh, The Diary of an Assassin with Alzheimer's. There's like <laughs> a bunch of different names that this had. It pretty much is that. It is a, a hitman who is on the brink of retiring because he has Alzheimer's. And right before he's about to go, he's about to uncover this big child trafficking ring. Um, for this new one, because it now takes place in America, it's right at the border of Mexico. So they're kind of intertwining this whole concept of using a lot of the camps as a way to be able to funnel children. Mm-hmm. Um, just like his previous movie, what was it? Day by night, blacklight. I'm, I'm blanking Black on what the light? one was that he just released this year. Blacklight, yeah. right? I, I want to say again. He usually does one a year. He did two this time around, and <laughs> I'm really surprised that uh, they they happened so quick. And the fact that Blacklight's already out on VOD as well. Um, but he's been keeping it pretty like I, I don't know, kind of like playing both sides. So it's like part of it will be like he's trying to take down this elite group of people who uh, are using like immigration. So he's talking about that, but then at the same time, he gets a little bit into the idea of, like, can you take children and harvest their blood? Maybe. I don't know. That's a subplot with Monica Bellucci that we're not going to get into. So it's like he he's playing it on all corners. The problem with the movie is that it's funny for reasons that it shouldn't be hilarious for. It felt like they had different microphones for every single one in the cast, and depending on if you were principal or not that uh, kind of changed whether you had a good mic or not. There were moments where Liam Neeson's character, in terms of the adaptation, was pretty close because I was able to find the original movie online. It is very difficult to find it. Um, but it is pretty beat for beat, except for the moments where Liam Neeson needs to do action. <laughs> my man, my man's 70, bro. Yeah. Like, he's about to turn 71 in like a month. I'm not saying that there are moments where he still got it because he did not have it in Blacklight. Here he does. There, there's some really nice moments where you're like, oh, look, he's, he's still doing his thing. Um, but in terms of the acting, I think everybody's underused, in my opinion. Mm. I think that there are moments where it feels like characters are dubbed when they shouldn't be dubbed. Um, and we just found a lot of the scenarios to be hilarious when it's such a deep topic because it's obviously talking about uh, very illegal things. Um if you're into the Liam Neeson movies, I don't think this is any different or worse than the previous slew of stuff that he's done. But I am missing that Liam Neeson that does the drama. Yeah. I, I, I need to, I, I expect the the fall for us to get the good Liam Neeson. Because when you look at it, he, he hasn't been too far off. You know, he'll make a Buster Scruggs. He'll make a Silence. Monster Calls. That's the but thing. Then he makes these movies in order to pay the bills, I guess. I You know, I know there's a little bit of like one for them, one for us going on with most Hollywood actors nowadays, but I I need a little bit more for us from Liam Neeson. 
at this point because it's it's yeah, few and far between. Takens, those were for those are for everybody, <laughs> you know. But he just has not been able to do another taken like yeah. that. That that particular set of skills is gone. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. So maybe memory isn't the best use of Liam Neeson's talents. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of other options out there when it comes to comes to theaters, comes to virtual. If you're looking for a movie, it looks like you got to go to streaming. Although the options. Maybe a little bit limited, at least in for of as far as Netflix releases are concerned. Um, I did not bother returning to the world of Polish cinema, uh, which I know is a little unlike me. But when it comes to the 365 Days series, I leave that to to you and Amanda to try and tackle. 365 Days This Day is the sequel to the number one global sensation that they had. Uh, I remember when, I think it was Amanda and I both made videos, and then people were letting us know that the radio stations, because radio stations just don't want to play for the critics anymore, they realized, no one listens to us, we're just going to take these YouTubers' reviews, and they were broadcasting them on the radio station for this movie, because everyone was talking about it, but they couldn't get people to actually talk about That's it. That's so funny. The sequel is out, and I know that we always say that these movies are bad, if you at least keep the consistency of of schlock to the de- to the same degree, then maybe you'll continue having hits. Somehow this is worse. The fans of the original are disappointed. That's when you know it really? gets bad. Uh, Amanda read the book, so definitely go check out her video. She kind of gives you the whole comparison between what has changed. Um, a little bit more of a masochist a than either of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's read like the whole trilogy. I think she found a way to like. <laughs> Uh, uh, translate the third one that I don't think I think it's still like in Polish she probably took like a dual legal class in order to, <laughs> to get the video out for you but like nah th- this new one is just terrible I think it's it could it's one of those that's so bad it's you want to play like a drinking game um, but then you're going to like probably get alcohol poisoning it's nowhere near as absurd as the first one was which is kind of what made it entertaining mm-hmm. this one's just dumb you know, like, it's just extremely dumb, mm. and I fear for the third one, uh, but I'll be there watching it when it comes out. I do not recommend <laughs> this. It is on your number one. Put child protection locks, not for your kids, for yourself, so you don't accidentally stumble upon this movie. 365 this day. Don't watch it any day. The Marilyn Monroe one, <laughs> though, was kind of decent. Oh, yeah? Uh, you talked about this, your theory, that... They're putting this out way too early. Yeah. Like they, I, because they seem to not want people to watch the Andrew Dominic movie Blonde for whatever reason, uh, because they, it's been Dumb. a troubled production and now it's going to be like NC 17. But yeah, like, why not hype that interesting Ana de Armas movie up with a documentary about the same person? I don't get it. I mean, it's not necessarily the, the best part about this documentary is any behind the scenes footage of productions or just of her that you haven't seen trying to connect different things but uh it's also not a really good doc (laughs) it's kind of a conspiracy doc about like maybe these were the reasons and it's like a lot of speculation and then that's it which really has become their bread and butter Mm -hmm. a lot of speculation and uh you got a doc that's all this is anyone who's got an opinion it's practically video essay opinions that have now just become netflix documentary productions um but if you want some behind-the-scenes footage, I think that's the only reason to catch this doc. It does not tell you anything that you didn't know. Did you know her and JFK may have something, <laughs> Zach? That's the that's the doc. It's Marilyn Monroe, the mystery of Marilyn Monroe for the people who've never probably heard of Marilyn Monroe. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, pocket. that would be a useful documentary for Ana de Armas fans who, you know, are maybe like 20 years old or less and catch that movie Blonde and want to find out some more stuff. But... 
Uh, again, they better release when, that. When is Blonde coming out, man? Like, give us the Andrew Dominic movies. I don't understand why. Hopefully, this year. Netflix just likes paying for things that they don't release. Man, if you could have 365s, give me the NC 17 out of that. Just come on, <laughs> let's do it. All right, so maybe some better streaming options on other services. Uh, I didn't get around to catching this one, but Art, you told me that you actually liked the new Hulu release, Crush. Yeah, I thought Crush was uh, pretty cute. It's not going to change anything uh, for the genre or enhance it in any way, but it's a nice little spin on it. Uh, pretty much you have Rowan, I want to say her name is. She was from uh, Boy Meets... Is it Girl Meets World? Girl Meets so the World, spinoff yeah. over, yeah, over on Disney Plus, and she hadn't really done much in a minute. This is her coming back. I know they also have the actress who was in uh, Love Victor. I think she's a pretty good actress. She kind of plays her crush that she really has on, uh, and she's this artist who's trying to figure out who's the person graffitiing around. There's kind of like a Banksy going on in the school, and as she's trying to kind of get her crush to fall for her, she has to join track and ends up maybe falling for her sister instead. Who took us the entire movie because she looks so familiar. And at the end we realized it's the actress who voices Moana. Oh. The legend who got hit at the Oscars yeah. while she was performing the song. And kept performing. She's goaded in my eyes. That's her yeah. in this movie. So I, I've never seen the shows that she's been in. So I'm sure that she's done a lot of uh, different live action work. This would be my first time, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, seeing her in a live action movie. Thought she was good in it. This, it's. Uh, I think it's pretty funny it's got some nice lines here or there. there there's obviously a lot of lines that are over the top uh especially like with the character of her mom saying a lot of just uh abrupt things that may not be funny but like the bit just continues going but i thought anytime that you were dealing with teenagers anytime that you were dealing uh with the romance side of it uh i thought it was fun for what it was worth it's over on hulu i think it's very enjoyable and my boy tyler Alvarez, yeah from american vando he's gonna be on that blockbuster show as well he kills it. I, I'm really surprised that he has not been in like a, a movie movie, like in theaters. He's been the streaming boy for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think more people need to know about him. I think he deserves to be up on the big screen. His perf- if they can get Centennial <laughs> up on the big screen, they can get Tyler. Right. His performance in American Vandal was too good. People thought he was actually He's that guy. He's that guy. He's that guy. He's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he is that guy. He's that guy. But yeah, no, I, I'm curious for you to catch this one. It's a nice uh, just chill movie yeah uh find a really funny yeah and you said my girl Addie Weyrich is funny in it so I'm I'm happy to see her getting uh slowly getting bigger I know she's got like a Katie Aselton movie coming up too so yeah uh, I'll definitely catch up with Crush um a very tonally different movie also available on streaming this one first premiered at the 2021 TIFF Toronto International Film Festival it's called The Survivor It is about uh, a boxer, Harry Haft, who fought against other Jews in concentration camps during World War II and uh, how he's haunted by those memories after the war. It's a really, really intriguingly told story. This one's directed by Barry Levinson and stars uh, Ben Foster as well as Billy Magnuson and Vicky Crapes. Uh, We were talking about Danny DeVito shows up in a fun, smaller role in this one, too. Uh, I think this was, it's a very competently directed, interesting story of a Mm -hmm. person who is, he's made to live through a lot, right? It's not just the Holocaust. It's all the, uh, what his life became afterward and all the 
stuff that he's had yeah. to walk around with and deal with. And I think it does something pretty interesting in the fact that it, it, because it is the story of a boxer, it kind of in some ways resembles a sports movie, but rather than having the big fight come at the climax of the movie, it comes like way in the middle of the movie and then sort of leaves you to stay with the this guy as he deals with the fallout and de- deals with moving on and moving forward. And I think that's ultimately what this movie does really well is that it it demonstrates the the burden of those memories as well as the burden of the experience and how they are they are separate but both heavy to carry. Um, and a lot of that is really achieved through this amazing Ben Foster performance who is just I, I've I've been on his corner for a little while. I think he is often giving like a hundred ten percent into movies that don't necessarily deserve it. But here here's another case where he is just giving amazing, amazing work to a film that is ultimately like not going to get the kind of attention that maybe it or he deserves. Um, I was really, I thought he was transportive in this and just unrecognizable in moments. Uh, if, if not for the story, then his performance should be enough to make it worth your while. Cause it's also, you were commenting when we were talking before the stream, it's a pretty beautifully shot film as well. Oh yeah, easily. That's one of the reasons why every time that we get the like early screeners, it's like, nah, nah, nah they did something with this i want to make sure we get it in its full quality mm-hmm. um but in terms of because obviously it's an hbo thing so they're kind of pulling what they did with uh bad education yes where it's it the is TV now an movie. hbo tv movie and unless the emmys change it the tv movies still go up against anthology series mm-hmm. So do you see him being able to sneak his way in there in terms of a nomination? I, I truly believe we're at the point with, and we're about to get to the TV in a minute, uh, there are way too many miniseries, anthologies now. It is its own thing now. Yeah. Like, that needs to be its own category. Uh, those are all combined. There's going to be a point where it's going to have to be comedy-limited series right. and then drama-limited series. It, it's becoming that big. Um but from what I saw, I, I mean, I think it would be really cool to see him get some recognition there because I agree with you. I think that he's one of the best character actors we have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was doing some research, bro. Matthias Schoenarts, those two have been going for the same roles. Every time I was going through his movies on the IMDb and I was seeing something that he was in, it would say Matthias also came for this part and he had to drop <laughs> out. So I went to him and I'm like, damn, is that why <laughs> Is that why like Ben Foster was going all the way up? And then it feels like a lot of his roles were taken. These two have been going at each other. And I love Matthias, but uh, I think Ben Foster's. Definitely overlooked for a lot of the roles that he takes. Yeah. I, Leave No Trace, another really good one. Yeah, he's excellent in that. Um, you know, I, I definitely think he would be in, hopefully is in consideration for Emmys with this role. As, as we kind of mentioned earlier, the Emmy deadline is approaching. So maybe that's part of the reason why we're seeing this film now. I don't really know what his competition is this year. And, and like we've been saying, there's so much competition when it comes to TV right now. But it, it's mm-hmm. it's a really great performance. So I'm, I'm hoping he is able to like stay in that discussion and maybe uh, get some more eyeballs on this story. Well, so? All right, so we begin our endeavor through the world of streaming television, just series after series after series, so much stuff to work through. Uh, let's kick it off with the return of season four of Ozark because it is the first of this upcoming Netflix trend of splitting final seasons into two parts. Uh, we Or maybe not even final seasons, because Stranger Things is also getting the two-season, or the mid-season split. 
we had part two of Ozark drop, I think, in February earlier this year. And now the series has wrapped up. It's delivered its final episodes ever. Um, I've always held the show's similarities to Breaking Bad against it, but the gap between them feels a little bit more substantial than it's kind of maybe ever felt when comparing their finales. Uh, to me, Ozark has just always been a less precise show. It's less precise thematically, it's less precise visually, and it's definitely less precise when it comes to its story, which by the end of the show only feels like mostly resolved. I kind of felt like the final episode felt more like a season finale than a series finale. Um, I think the show has always been more of a blunt force object than, uh, than what you get from the Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul universe where it's like really finely crafted. In Ozark, it like... There are these moments that really do hit you and where you do feel the show, all the strings being pulled in the right ways to make you feel like excited and surprised and whatever but it just never really resonated to me in the in the way that I wanted it to in in a way that made me feel like there's more beyond the surface. I, I also can't help but feel a little bit discomforted by the way that the show ultimately tore through the Ozarks in general. Maybe it's part of Ozark's larger point about how upper upper middle class people are insulated from the real harm of the drug trade. But if they made that, wanted to make that point, they did it in a really like uncomfortable and brutal way. Um, I don't know. It's always it's it's just never fully added up for me, even though I've stuck with the show and enjoyed most of my time with it. I thought this was a very, very good season for Julia Garner, who kind of grew into the main reason to watch the show. Her performance has always been mm-hmm. so dynamic in, in in the series, and her character, I think, one of the most interesting. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm a little... It's a bittersweet taste in my mouth at the end of this uh, finale, but... It's a, it's an intriguing ride. I, I I wouldn't say it's not worth it, but not necessarily like the best out there right now. Okay, interesting. But it's definitive. Like that's it. They're done. I mean, like if if Netflix wanted to drop uh, twenty million dollars in front of Jason Bateman and say like we need season five, I'm sure it would happen. But it's definitive enough that they don't need to. And considering their current okay. problems, I don't know if they're going to spend that kind of money on it. They're going to need someone in the Ozarks funneling some extra stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll get around to it. I'm, I'm, I'm like a season and a couple episodes behind, yeah. but I got that, and I should be catching up with the actual better one, which is uh, Better Call Saul. So uh, a lot of TV in terms of that yeah. to catch up on. But uh, I did want to mention the one I did catch up oh, on. Oh, yeah. What, what, or, go ahead. I was just going to mention briefly Undone because uh, you said you had caught all of it last week. Uh, I didn't get around to to it. I, I was able to watch the first episode, so now I'm like a little bit into where the story's going. You liked one though, yeah. Oh, I loved one. Yeah, I, th- I think both of us had okay. that like in our top five TV of the year, whatever year that was. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an excellent yeah. excellent season of television, and we were both kind of of the opinion that like it didn't need to come back, and maybe maybe shouldn't have because that first season does feel kind of really perfect. Um, but I was in the opposite. You wanted it to come back. I it was on Letterbox, right? Because it was right, a miniseries right. originally, yeah. and I said, "Nah, this feels like it's undone." And oh, I got ripped to shreds. I'm like, I just think there should be a season two. Season two comes out, messages start getting deleted. Zach, <laughs> I'm like, ah, that's what I thought, but I didn't change my review. So now that there's a season two out, I'm getting people going. What do you mean it's not undone? Haven't you seen season two? I'm like, this is an old review. <laughs> I don't know what to do. There's no winning in this, but. Uh, 
I now feel yeah. that it is fully wrapped up. Okay. I don't know if they were thinking of going three the same way that Russian doll was originally thinking of going three, but I think two perfect, I don't want to call it perfect, but two really great seasons is all that this story needs. Um, big fan of one, just like yourself, even with the ending. Season two, I think, brought a lot to the table. And considering you're only on episode one, I'm very curious uh, your opinion on where the story ends up going, considering that there's a lot more flashbacks and flash forwards mm-hmm. and even to a degree flash sideways, which right up my alley. Yeah, I, lo- I love um, a show. What do you think I'll- of the end? Sorry, I just was going to say, I love a show that'll play with the timeline and, you know, the idea of linearity like that. That's very cool to me. Um, I was really taken just by returning to this show for the first time in a while by the animation, that rotoscoping style, which is so compelling Mm -hmm. and beautifully done in a way that I don't know if rotoscoping always works this well. I think they've, they've managed to utilize it in a way that really benefits the world of the show in that because she's able to float in and out of her memories, the way that rotoscoping will have her sort of floating in and out of different scenes, it just, it makes you really feel like a part of it. Um, and it, I don't know, it just, something about it, it's a really cool formula. It, it just sort of, co- it's cohesive, right? Like the the visual yeah. style and the th- and the story is very working, it works together really well. So I'm yeah, definitely, especially given your review, I'm really, really excited to uh, catch up with the rest of the season. Maybe I'll, I'll finish season two this week and we can do uh, an after credits or something next week on that. Yeah. I think it's good. Everybody hop on that one. Hopefully you guys give it a chance. Cool. It's one of the best things Prime has. Continuing through shows, let's go to Under the Banner of Heaven. Um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe I didn't bring that one over up. Over on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, over uh, on, I could talk a little yeah, bit go about ahead, it. Vamp. Uh, Under the Banner uh, of Heaven is over on Hulu. I believe we got the first two parts yes. of this miniseries that uh, the boy is doing, Andrew Garfield, before he takes his break. You know, he had Tick, Tick, Boom. He had Tammy Faye. He did a little cameo in some independent film that came out last year. Uh, and this was one of his last projects before he said he's about to go on break. Mm. But uh, he's bringing it in. Yet again, another TV miniseries where he's looking to get an award there. It's going to be a stacked Emmy. But in this one, you have a murder that has taken place of this young Mormon woman played by the actress who is in uh, Normal People over on Hulu as well. And in Fresh, more recently, Daisy Edgar Jones. And in Fresh. Daisy, thank you very much. Uh, She looks so much younger in this movie, which is why it caught me off guard. I was like, she looks so familiar. But she's playing a, a young woman who has married or got together with this uh, other Mormon individual, and then a murder happens that leads not only to the investigation of said case, but to the Mormon church in general, and especially this family who may feel like they've been ripped off due to the rights of their land. And it's a procedural movie, mm-hmm. or a series, I guess. It really is movies, you know, it's just a long, elongated <laughs> Eight-hour movies. Eight-hour movies. Um, I believe it is based off of a book, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, but so far, I, I think it's pretty good. I think it's shot very well. I think the performances, especially from the guy who gets uh, arrested um, right at the beginning, right. is done pretty well. The casting is really good because once you cut to the family and you're getting all of these behind the scenes to like what led up uh, to all the turmoil, you got uh, – who, who else is in this? Uh, Sam Worthington? <laughs> Who's playing a brother? You got one of the Calkins in there. Like it, it's a really good cast and, and set of characters. Um, 
I believe it's going to be running for six to seven episodes. So if you're into yeah. your procedurals and you're you're trying to like s- catch different things from uh, each of the characters as they're getting interrogated, this is that like very L.A. Noir investigative. Like I don't trust that mm-hmm. person. Oh, I can see a little bit coming off of here. But it's also um, got this sort of like interesting religious yeah. bent to it, right? Because it's it's mm-hmm. a murder that takes place in the LDS community and Andrew Garfield's character is a Mormon as well. So there's kind of this like questioning of faith because the murders are also done under the pretense of being like God's plan or something like that. So I'm I'm also intrigued to see how the show wants to play with uh, matters of faith and uh, you know scrutability of of those those kind of questions. It's very I'm very curious to see where it's going to go. There's also a pretty talented group of people behind this show. Uh, the main writer Dustin Lance Black is obviously uh, or, uh, Academy Award winning for his script for Milk. Uh, but it's also done several other interesting films. And wow. the the show is directed by a few interesting people. Isabel Sandoval uh, directs an episode. I see Dustin Lance Black directed another episode. But the uh, first show okay. was directed by David McKenzie, who's also done Hell or High Water and Starred Up and some other interesting yeah. movies. Wow. So a lot, a lot of really cool people are involved with this show. I'm definitely curious to see uh, which direction it heads from these first couple of episodes. It was a good one. Have it on your radar. Yeah. All right. Where else are we headed when it comes to uh, streaming? Do you want to talk about The Baby? The Baby. Not the one who's always under turmoil, but The Baby baby. over on HBO. Yeah, this is an HBO original. Remember, there is a difference between the HBO Max selections and the HBO originals. And Mm -hmm. they're claiming this one to still be something that uh, they're putting their money behind. You know, this is going to get its weekly thing. This is not going to be uh, all thrown out at once. And it is this thriller pretty much set in the world of what would be the omen, what would be Rosemary's baby. You know, it is a baby that finds itself in the arms of a woman who's never wanted to have a child. She's just out there renting this like Airbnb by uh, a cliff near the water and murders happen that leads with a baby in her arms take all the allegories that come with it you could see all of the homages and they do some very clever homages in the background but you also just have uh i think a really intriguing character uh in where all of her friends are pregnant or have a child and she's the one who's kind of been left behind Mm. so i like that you can have you know this 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 damien story line and still be able to do something different uh while acknowledging all the the you know previous iconic storylines that have come before it i'd put this one on your radar zach they're very short episodes only 30 minutes long uh beautifully shot and uh i'm really invested in the character so far it's gonna be really intriguing to see where they take it and you were saying like it while it does remind you of some of those shows or, or movies that's maybe uh making an homage to it does feel like unique enough in its its uh way I'll put it to you this way. Last year, there was a movie on Hulu, to show you the difference between Hulu and HBO, yeah. called uh, False Positive. Yeah. That decided, uh. what if we did Rosemary's Baby, but like modernized? And they're like, baby, <laughs> Rosemary's Baby was already modernized to that degree. <laughs> so they just like butchered it. This would be that version of it. This is a nice spin All to right. the story. Uh, I'm behind it. Looking forward to the next episode, which I believe they drop on Mondays or something like that. I, I can't remember. Yeah. So there's another episode already on. All right. So, uh, Definitely get on that one. I have to catch up with that one. Another one that's not HBO, but HBO Max 
is season two of Made for Love. Barely knew that this thing was coming out, despite the fact that I had Made for Love. Terrible marketing. As one of my favorite TV shows. Was it last year? When it came out, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what yeah. they're doing. Not only is this the marketing so bad that like most regular people probably don't know that the season's out, they're not even doing a good job getting this show to critics. Made for Love has zero reviews from critics on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, part of that is because there is an avalanche of new TV out there and we're all busy watching other stuff. But I don't know. Maybe if you're releasing a new TV show, make sure that people are able to watch it. I feel like they sent you an email saying, here are the here are the links, and then just it never got to the inbox. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if you were able to catch any of the new episodes. The first two. I did. They're good. Yeah. I think you like the show a little bit more than I do. I like it as background television, mm-hmm. personally, and I love the cast. Always hate Billy Magnuson. He does a great job in it, but... Uh, Billy Magnuson, by the way, won uh, me over completely. very convincing as a Nazi in The Survivor. So one more point no, for a year. Shocked face. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I've told you this, bro. I've told you this. Yeah. Terrible has a face that's easy to make him uh, hateable. Uh, works in this show as well. I, I did like this show. Uh, the first season I thought was really intriguing as just a mix of this, like, f- futuristic technology uh, slash like a paranoid thriller in a kind of comedic tone uh, in terms of the way the technology is being implemented. So far into the second season, it's a little bit less of those things and a little bit more of just playing out its story. And I don't know, I think I think there's a lack of suspense in those first couple of episodes. They tried to throw in a little bit by like foreshadowing to some potential violence, but there there isn't sort of like this thing hanging over the show waiting to drop the way that I felt in the first season. There's a little less urgency so far into the second season through two episodes. So I'm hoping that it'll maybe find itself uh, because they are introducing some interesting elements, but it's not, it's not as exciting as I thought the first season was so far. So I'll stick with the second season and see if it, pulls anything out but yeah i'm a, I'm a little bit mixed on uh those first two episodes so far yeah so i gotta say yeah. it's kind of the same from the last one uh but we still have a bunch of other <laughs> premieres dude yeah let's go to bang on bang Prime. baby instead of the baby too a many baby babies, shows yeah, yeah. So this one is being split into two halves. So the first half is already on Prime, the first couple of five, six episodes, and then the next half is going to come at the end of this month. Like, it's crazy to me that the way that they split them, even with Ozark, was like, in February, you're getting these, and immediately afterward, you're getting the other ones. Um, So this is one in where you have this girl who uh, thought her father was dead, and then one day sees in the newspaper, whoa, that man looks a lot like my dad, and ends up maybe being invested into a criminal underbelly that she didn't realize was there, or even more so, didn't realize that she was a part of. Um, I've only seen a couple of the beginning episodes. The poster caught my eye. The trailer looked gorgeous, and the series itself lives up to that. It is beautifully mixed. It's very poppy. The colors shine bright, and uh, it's an Italian series. Oh, uh, and I've been really invested. Yeah, uh, into just kind of like the the, the storyline and the way that it's shot. As you as you follow her, kind of like try to get answers. Um, 
I'm going to be catching up on this one. Again, I have not completed the first half of episodes, and I can't give my rating until I see how the first season wraps at the end of May. But if you are looking for something a little bit different than your regular American crime stuff, catch this one over on Prime. Very cool. What do you say? Bang, bang, baby. Bang, bang, baby. Pretty decent. Intriguing. All right, tell me about this other one, though, because I'm very excited to check out Dude. Vanessa Bayer in I Love That For You, a new show on Showtime, which has been killing it, especially with their comedies recently. So, yeah, I mean, she's, she's I think, one of the very underrated comedians working today, has one of my favorite I Think You Should Leave sketches. But she's the center, she takes center stage for I Love That For You. I don't even really know what this show's about. Tell me about it. So I think she's also creator on the show, yeah. and I, Molly Shannon's probably, like, producer on it. Uh, so pretty much she is a girl who had cancer. And growing up, while she was doing all of her chemo treatments, she would always watch the, like, the Selling You stuff on TV mm-hmm. late at night. What, what is it called? The, those QVC kind of stuff. There you go. Yeah, that stuff. Uh, she was infatuated with that. Goes into remission, grows up, isn't really selling anything, and then finally gets the opportunity to go be there with her mentor, played by Molly Shannon, and be able to like host a show. She is compl- she is insanely awkward. So when they want to fire her, she realizes she could use the cancer card to remain on the show. <laughs> the trailer kind of hides the fact that she is a lot more manipulative than gives on. And in the first five minutes, you see it and you realize, oh, that's what this show is. Okay. It is awkward. It is cringy. But there are some lines I had as laughing out loud. Uh, if you're a fan of her in any way, she performed, definitely catch the show. I'm very curious to see how they extend it, especially because yeah. you have this crazy cast of characters who realizes that when they're selling you something, they're selling an idea. So it's like, are you the single mom? Are you the mom with several kids who can do several things? Are you the influencer? Are you the young poppy one? They like have you define yourself to one characteristic to be that kind of like trendy thing that you can uh you can give to an audience so is this like her trying to discover what she is so is this like the comedic white lie from last year uh to a degree yeah kind of a little bit a little bit except for the fact that she actually did have cancer (laughs) which is what makes it even more messed up okay um but yeah, no, I would definitely say yeah. put this one on your radar. I thought the first episode was hilarious. It's got me hooked. I'll be watching it on a weekly basis. Uh, and I'm just hoping that it sticks to landing because they have a really good cast of characters. Cool. I'm, I'm very excited to catch up with this one. Just from your description of it, makes it also reminds me of uh, the Bobcat Goldthwaite movie with Robin Williams, World's Greatest Dad. Just sort of in that dark, manipulative humor area. I don't know. That. Yeah. I, it's there. Yes, it's in that pocket. Cool. I'm, I'm excited for that one. And Vanessa Bayer is just so funny. So, and especially with Molly Shannon, too. I feel like they have very similar energy. They're mother and daughter on the show? No. No? Uh, that is her idol, who she grew okay. up watching. <laughs> I would buy them as mother and daughter that, also. <laughs> exactly. But even in that, it, it, that's almost what she is to her. Right. Because that's who she wants to be. And they also have some really nice dramatic moments within the cringy humor. So I'm really looking forward to the show. I think, I think they add something. Awesome. All right, next up we got, or is, Clark is coming out later this week, I think. So wait, let's. Yeah, Clark comes out next week, so we'll talk about it there. Yeah. I don't know when the embargo for that is, but uh, <laughs> we still have so many more, man. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about the Apple one. Oh, geez, yeah. Uh, Shining Girls is the new uh, series that is showing on Apple TV Plus. Yeah. It stars Elizabeth oh, Moss, name. the queen of television, of Mad Men, of. Uh, top of the lake of Handmaid's Tale. Like, you know, if Elizabeth Olsen, excuse me, Elizabeth Moss is in your TV show, 
it should be a banger. So does she continue she the Apple TV Plus credit there? Yeah, does she continue oh. that run onto Tim Cook's favorite service? Dude, this is a really good looking show. So it is a thriller that's kind of uh, flashing forward in times a little bit in terms of this woman who uh, kind of met an individual back in the day who's kind of haunted her, and now in the present-ish time uh she's trying to figure out who this murderer is who's kind of like scoping out people it all takes place in chicago gorgeously shot zach nice um and obviously she's uh, incredible in the role because she's also kind of dealing with this trauma as they're trying to investigate who this person is you also have the different time period of it so which is that causes the investigation to go uh the way that it does i've only seen the first two episodes uh, but I believe this is going to be going on uh, for a weekly basis yeah. up until June, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, again, another one with Pachinko, with uh, We Crash that had just wrapped. Uh, this is another one that I think is not a mini series, but a series uh, that they're going to be pumping out and just c- continuously building that repertoire. Because right now, yeah, they they kind of have equal. I'm not saying more. They have equal hits to HBO to a degree. So yeah. They've got some really good ones on their horizon. Yeah. I think if you want another type of uh, serial killer thriller, this is a good one to have on your radar. Yeah, there's a couple Apple TV Plus shows that are maybe like more average or, or forgettable. You know, like I, they put a lot of money into that one with Julianne Moore uh, and Clive Owen. I'm forgetting the name of it already. Uh, Too much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was a writer or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And like, I didn't really see a, anybody really talking about it. But when they hit, they really hit. And there's some stuff on there that's mm-hmm. really great. And I don't know if it's necessarily getting seen by a lot of people right now. But if you're willing to drop that money on Apple TV Plus, like right now, it's actually a pretty good deal uh, in terms of, a lot, what, a lot of what they've got on there. Yeah. Um, for Shining Girls, would you say you're more into it for kind of like the the is it sort of horror adjacent or is it more like thrillery? I would say it's more thrillery, um, but it, it's also, I think right now in particular, because the investigation is like barely starting. Right. Um, I really like their production design. Mm. Obviously, not just the fact of the location and where they film, but they really do a great job of making it like a period piece for its time and changing the buildings and changing a lot of the aesthetic of where she works and such. So uh, it, it, they're building a really nice world in it. Um, so I'm very curious to see how they flesh that out because at least that's that's what Apple has right now. They're throwing budgets mm-hmm. so that the shows don't look cheap. And um, e- even if they do end up sitting, at least it's there, you know, Definitely. for when people actually do find it. All right. Uh, let's talk about a couple other shows. Uh, my, my outline will <laughs> cooperate with me. Uh, you also caught a little bit of the offer over on Paramount Plus, which I think is now maybe four episodes into its three run? episodes three episodes four episodes could be four at this point yeah uh but this is the new one from paramount that is looking back at the production of the godfather uh we were sent all of the episodes and i know we were able to cover it a little bit last week but this is an interesting story because you're really seeing what goes behind the scenes in the movie business right how do you get the rights to a book how do you figure out what's going to be the best director and you're dealing with all the ins and outs of it while also realizing that this may be a production that actually pisses off the mob so uh in the first couple of episodes you're seeing that build up uh with uh, giovanni rabisi's character who's kind of like the henchman for the mob who don't want the godfather to be made so that's like a, a really interesting perspective where you're able to see the best of both worlds what happens for a film production and then what happens when the real world doesn't want that story yeah. <laughs> to go out um i think it's more 
it's more nerdy than I was expecting it to be, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, in, in the ins and outs of like having to travel here, having to fly over here to make this deal, having to go over there to make this business deal. I kind of like that. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see who this is going to hit for. Cause again, it's on Paramount plus that's already something that, <laughs> that puts it back. Not everybody has Paramount plus. Um, but I know there's also a movie in the works where I know you're a big fan of Dan Fowler playing, uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, but there is one where the boy Oscar Isaac is going to be playing Francis Ford Coppola and that's going to be a feature film. Right. So. Yeah. It, it, part of the competing projects thing that happened sometimes. Um, I don't know. It, I, I'm intrigued by this one. There's something about the way it's produced that seems a little bit like, like, I don't know, like cosplay-ish to me. I don't know if it, you have that vibe at all from it, but... Yeah, it's Paramount talking about Paramount. Yeah. No. <laughs> it, it's interesting, but it's like, I know it's not going to be the most in-depth, and yes, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, uh, but I'm still intrigued to check this one out. I saw that Miles Teller's grandmother approves of his performance in this one, so that's cute. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little about Better Call Saul, which is a couple of episodes into its exciting sixth season. I don't want to say too much about it be, uh, because, you know, I think part of what's so good about it is enjoying the pleasure of the ride and getting the the twists in the story when they come because they're very patient about how they dole things out. They th- This is a show that was called Better Call Saul, ostensibly about a guy named Saul Goodman and did not introduce the name Saul Goodman until well into its third season, you know? So I I really like the way they go about connecting the dots. And it's very interesting to see what they're going to do now that they're getting closer and closer to the point Mm -hmm. where they really have to link up to the Breaking Bad storyline. And there's sort of this thing hanging over the show in that they've introduced some characters that we don't see on Breaking Bad. So their fates have to be decided in some way. And I I think the way that they're, the way that they've built up to this moment is really intriguing because it kind of is giving you the opposite of, of a Breaking Bad where Breaking Bad, it was kind of like, I think they're, I think a lot of people really enjoyed seeing Walter get further and further into the the depths of crime and into the Heisenberg persona. Like there was something exciting about getting seeing him get bigger and bigger into the, that world. There is a better, a bigger, a bigger sense of tragedy. I think around the characters of Better Call Saul, in that you see things maybe were better for them or or options that could have been better for them. And for whatever reason, they keep getting pulled along into this sphere. Keeps pulling. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's a particularly uh, meaningful arc with the Kim Wexler character who for years and years was uh, always Jimmy's kind of conscience and would pull him back to back from the bad and towards the good. And they've kind of like gone over, gone over a line with where she's at in a way that just, it, it's unsettling. It's, it's disturbing in a way that I think only great writing gets to be. Um, I don't think I'm going to make this case, especially not right here right now, but there's a case to be made that better call Saul is like a, a superiorly written show to Breaking Bad, which is hard to believe because Breaking Bad is close to perfect. But just thematically, man, I'm really, really into what Breaking, uh, excuse me, Better Call Saul has been doing. Um, I don't know. Um, It's a lot. Just not on the show. 
But someone may make the case. Yeah, and um, someone should make that case. I'm not going to make that case right now. But somebody (laughs) should make that case. I'll I'll be a witness on the stand, but... I don't know, man. It's it's a really right. good season of television. I'm excited. Um, I'm very much afraid that they're going to leave it off at a really annoying place, and then we're going to have to wait another month for it to come back for its second half. Um, but yeah, they they already dropped that we're getting to see some new familiar or some familiar faces are going to return not so long from now. So I'm just intrigued, man. I'm intrigued how they're going to put it all together. I mean, considering what they did with El Camino, I'm a little worried, but <laughs> I need to catch up on it, so we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about winning time. I don't think we want to get too deep into to it. it dude. Tell yeah, because this show is wrapping up you, its man. season next week, so I think we want to okay. maybe finish the season and then talk about it in detail, but I, I binged all nine episodes in the last week. And I have been really, really enjoying this show more than maybe I feel like I should be. Like, there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm a little, I, I'm not sure why they're making some of these decisions. But collectively, it's extremely entertaining and extremely interesting. I find myself like pausing, looking things up, rewatching parts, sh- like playing back parts so I can show them to Caitlin because she's not going to watch nine hours of a Lakers drama. Uh, I'm I'm really into the show. I, I think it's very funny, first of all, just the personalities and uh, the, the expressiveness that they put into each character makes them very fun to watch. Like they've, they've really did a great job of getting you invested in all these different storylines and all these different actors playing all these different people. But beyond that, there's just the drama of like, how are we going to hold this together? What's the next chip that's going to fall there? There's all these twists in the story that I'm sure is being like overly dramatized, but all these twists that are, just, it's almost like impossible, impossible to believe all of this happened to this group of people in this short period of time. Um, but it just, it's, it's kept me on the edge of my seat. I'm really, I really dig the way the show is shot too, in this sort of like pastiche of different uh, styles and cameras and aspect ratios and whatever. It just, it's got a really cool vibe to it. It's not just that the show is kind of like about the Showtime Lakers. It kind of has the feel of the Showtime Lakers in that it's splashy. It's sexy. It's fun. It's funny. I I'm into the show, man. I'm I'm glad, dude. Uh, that's why it was one of my recommendations yeah. last week. I agree with you. The way they shoot this is beautiful. It's some of my favorite cinematography. It sometimes looks ugly. They'll zoom in and they time it for a really good comedic effect or because the character is kind of out of the loop about something. The way that they're able to really make it feel like you're in that time period is something that I'm very interested in how they're going to adapt that considering that now they're seeing this as a an anthology series. Yeah. And we talked about how they're going to do uh, the 2000s Lakers um, for the next season. So we were talking about who the hell is going to play Shaq. <laughs> but more than that, I'm very intrigued to see the way that they've been able to bring in like the 80s aesthetic mm-hmm. to this season, how they're going to be able to do the 2000s aesthetic for that right, season. Right, right. I love the editing. I love the way it shot. I love the cast of characters. And the fact that uh, uh, Kareem came out and said it was boring. <laughs> I mean, when you've lived through it, of course, anything right. 
near it is going to be boring as can be. But the man's written about it. He's he said that a lot of the stuff that has happened on the show he he has confirmed as as it being true as well. But uh, yeah, no, I hope more people put this on their radar because yeah, it's fantastic, absolutely yeah. great, really really good. And, and I'm very very into this group of actors that they got together. I also have this thing where every time I see Wood Harris, I'm like, I know who that is. Who is that? And then I look it up and I realize it's Wood Harris. Um, but shout out Wood <laughs> Harris, man. It's it's a good it's a good cast. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little about Barry because Barry continues its third season uh, with a really amazing episode last night. Uh, the thing about Barry is that Bill Hiker, Bill Bill H- Hiker, Bill Hader, Bill Hader is an ex- he's so into the role. He's such a likable guy. And I think he's such just like a charming screen presence that even through some of the really dark stuff that he does, you kind of still love him. And I I just really respect that this show it understands that and is just and decided to like push against that. Decided, oh, you like this guy? Well, do you like him now? Do you like him now? Really? Um, it's it's getting into some of the most psychologically disturbing stuff that the show has tackled through its two and now three seasons so far. Uh, the ending to last night's episode is absolutely chilling. I think Barry is one of the, one of the shows that does like a cut to credits better than most shows on television because they, they know to leave you unsettled. They know that part of episodic TV is like, you need to come back not knowing how to feel what's about what's going to happen next. Uh, It's expertly, expertly crafted. I also think it's very funny that we're getting to see this greater evil uh, emerge the closer and closer that Barry and the people around him come to like the center of the entertainment industry. Um, It is an excellent TV show. I've, I've gone back and watched the first two seasons just because I'm so excited that it's back. I, if you're not up on Barry, get up on Barry because it is excellent. Excellent TV. Will do. Um, And then, I don't know if you caught the most recent episode of Atlanta, but thought we should at least touch on it because it's another interesting, excuse me, another interesting episode of what's been an uh, exciting third season. It is uh, the third bottle episode that they've done, uh, Trinity to the Bone. And it's the first of several that Donald Glover is directing to kind of round out season three. I think he's directing the eighth and tenth episode, and he is co-writing the eighth and ninth episodes, or maybe the ninth and tenth episodes. Basically, we're getting a lot of Donald Glover's creativity to end season three of Atlanta. So I'm very excited to to hear from the guy, hear from the, the main source as we round out uh, season three. Interesting that they've saved so much of his stuff for the end. Uh, this episode in particular was probably my least favorite of the three bottle episodes we got this year, but it's Atlanta, so it's always going to be intriguing and thought-provoking and darkly funny. That whole scene at the funeral was just excellent stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still just a great, great show, and I, I wish we were getting more than just 10 episodes of the third season. you think it's lived up to the hiatus? Um, All the pressure that it put on itself? I mean, look, it, I don't know if you can ever really live up to a hiatus. I think, I don't know if that's even like a fair thing to do, right? Like it's been gone for so long uh, that it's, uh, it's, it's, look, it's going to be like hard to, 
answer that kind of anticipation, right? Like people are going to say the next Kendrick album was not worth the wait, but they'd hopefully be wrong, Zach. <laughs> but here, I, I, I don't think it. Has it lived up to any of the previous three seasons? I, I'll say that it's probably... Forget the hiatus. It's stuff. probably my least favorite of the three seasons so far, but I think there's classic episodes. That's all there's I'm classic asking. bits. I'm really enjoying it. There's classic bits. There's classic bits, I feel. I, I don't think we've had a classic episode other than the pilot, probably. Three Stops is classic. I thought I thought the fourth episode was classic. I like the billionaire episode. You didn't like fourth the billionaire was, episode? For, fourth episode was, was Reparations with uh, Justin Bartha. Interesting bits <laughs> is what it had. <laughs> uh, I still, I still love this show, man. I'm, I still think it's excellent. Um, maybe not the best that they've ever done, but I'm very intrigued. I'm also wondering if we're going to get a little bit more of a focus on Lakeith or on uh, Z- uh, Zazie's characters Zazie? because they've been a little mm-hmm. bit on the side so far this season. A little yeah. bit. Well, they've kind of acknowledged <laughs> that Van isn't around, but. I don't know. Yeah, every episode. Yeah. And even when she's there, she's not there, is what they continue to tell you. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, always looking forward to new episodes of it. Definitely. Um, is that it for our TV roundup? I mean, we're going to get back to a lot of these shows when they for wrap all the up. 40,000 shows, yeah. yeah. Jeez. Um, but hopefully have some new ones. Yeah, let- I wanted to bring up some of the stuff that was in the yeah. chat, because I, I know some people were mentioning some shows, and I'm curious if you've caught on any yeah, of these. let's start with, um, uh, let's see, Ricky. Anoki uh, mentioned, would you recommend Winning Time for someone who isn't a basketball fan to to stick with Winning Time, which we were just talking about a moment ago? Yes. Yeah, I think there's enough there, in just not just stylistically, but just in terms of these characters, that you don't really have to care about the basketball. Um, I, the basketball is mostly at the fringes of the show, right? Like, all you really need to know is, like, they want this team to win, and some of these guys are really good basketball players. But it's not like you don't need to know strategy or care, like, who's in the Western Conference versus the East. It's mostly about the people mm-hmm. and the situations and, and again, like, the style. Um, so I'd recommend it yeah. even if you aren't necessarily a basketball fan. What was the question we got from Ricky? Uh, he was pretty much just comparing one of the characters to who was in the show, <laughs> also being in Snowfall on FX. I don't know if you've seen Snowfall on FX, but uh, DeMarco, one of the directors for the show, has also done a lot of FX. He was a director of Cheese, which we really enjoyed out of South By. Okay. Uh, so I have not cut up on Snowfall, but after that Push a T album, yeah, kind of need to be catching up on Snowfall. <laughs> so that's one that's on my radar. Uh, we got a question from Pink Sweets asking if we've seen somebody somewhere, another HBO Max one that she enjoyed. Uh, I didn't see that one. I think that's the Olivia Coleman one, which just goes to show you how uh, bad the... Is it? it is it? No, that w- that's no, that's a different one. I think that's the Landscapers okay. one. This is one. It's more like a comedy. Uh, it's also an HBO original. I got to see two episodes uh, okay. of it. Um, oh, this is the Bridget Everett like one. Yes. Yes. Uh huh, and she's really good in it. Um, I I've not caught up with it completely yet, but when it premiered, I was able to catch the pilot of it, and it, it it's pretty good. I'd have to. Uh, it's one of those where you definitely have to live with the characters for a couple of episodes right. to really get like the gist of the show. But I thought that one was pretty good. Um, I know someone else had also mentioned a show that is over on Netflix, which is the Heartstopper is show. Is that Netflix? I don't know if you've heard about this one. I thought it was Hulu. Am I wrong? I could be wrong. Uh, if this is the Olivia Coleman show, then it is the one that is on Netflix. I'm pretty sure because this morning they were talking about the fact that this thing has hit. Yeah, this is the Olivia Coleman one on Netflix. Um, 
the amount of tweets that they were able to compile for this. It is the most tweeted about show and people demanding a second season because they haven't greenlit it yet. Um, and them having to... Netflix supposedly having to put it into production immediately so that they could flip it in time. Because the amount of people who have been talking about this show has been insane. Uh, right. Which just brings me back to, how is this not in the top 10 yet, then? Are these analytics for Netflix not right? Or are they just ignoring stuff that people are actually talking about on other social medias? And how can it be trending on different social media sites, but not on the site well, itself, I wonder- when none of the top 10 there... I wonder if that's a better about. example of the way in which social media is not necessarily as representative as sometimes we think we are of, like, the greater public, right? Because, like, Heartstopper does strike me as this very, like, trendy show. It's about, like, young love. It's got a queer storyline in it. it. It's the type of show that, like, would dominate Tumblr if young people were still on Tumblr. I don't know. I don't think young people are still on Tumblr. They don't talk to me. But it, it it's like a... It's just like a cute show. And, and I wonder if because maybe the demographic is a little bit limited, but it is a demographic that is very online. That's why, like, you can't scroll down Twitter without seeing four, you know, shipping posts from the art stoppers. But, like, it's not it's not on the top ten of Netflix. Although I think I did see it on, on number ten on Netflix. So it's working its way up there. Ah, I, I, this is one that is, is on my radar. We caught one episode of it. I know that people have been like demanding videos yeah. for this one like crazy. So uh, this is one that I definitely do need to finish. I just felt like it wasn't even like in the original press release uh, when I was collecting stuff for April. I didn't even have it on my radar until it popped yeah. up. Uh, and again, this is considering it's got Olivia Coleman as I believe producer on it as well, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Uh, what else did we have? Oh, Ernie wanted to know if we had any thoughts on the trailer for Don't Worry, Darling, which dropped maybe like two hours before we started streaming. Where's it going? Did you get to catch it yet, or are you abstaining from the trailer? No, I, I caught the email in the morning. I'm going to catch it whenever, if it plays on the big screen. You know, if I'm going to go see Don't Worry, Darling, I want to see the uh, the new MCU guy up there with <laughs> Florence Pugh. Uh, on the big screen for that one, so I'm going to wait for that. Unlike the Avatar teaser that we're going to go see today, <laughs> before our Doctor Strange showing today, uh, they're going to be showing the Avatar 2 teaser trailer on a loop for 30 minutes <laughs> straight with the 3D glasses out there. That one I will be watching. Exciting, but, yeah. Uh, if they are showing Don't Worry, don't, what is it, Don't Worry, yeah. Darling? In 3D, I'll catch it. <laughs> Okay, it's a three D trailer. I, I did watch the trailer. I'm. I mean, it looks it looks solid. I, I don't want to like sound too negative about it. In that, like, I'm. It's almost so slickly assembled that I'm a little suspicious of it. But that's just me being weird. Like, I'm just. I, I don't know. I my brain is a little bit broken by trailers at this point. That I'm trying to like three D chess them and be like, oh, well, if it looks good, that means it's got to be bad, right? Like, I, I don't know. Um, there is. I did think it was a little bit funny that. Uh, they have this shot that's so similar to uh, Midsommar. I don't know if you, you've seen people uh, showing this one off already, that they've got... Uh, it, no. It's part of a new subgenre of Florence Pugh looking at people falling. But, I don't know, it's intriguing. I, I've seen a lot of people... Every movie's copied from Midsommar. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people say that this looks a lot like a Jordan Peele movie, and I think that's part of what my suspicion is about it. It kind of looks like it's that brand of movie that started popping up after get uh 
after Get Out, which was just like, oh, we can make this like slickly assembled social thriller. And I, I don't know, man, I, nothing has lived up to Get Out. So maybe that's why I'm a little bit wary of this one. Although there's no reason. All, all the stars seem aligned for this to be a good movie. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. I haven't seen the trailer yet, but come back to it. Yeah. All right. So I think that's most of the news that we were going to talk about. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the new to see the upcoming releases that will be in theaters and on streaming and all the good places. Uh, let's kick it off with All My Puny Sorrows, which stars Alison Pill as well as Sarah, as well as Sarah Gadon. This was a 2021 Toronto Film Festival selection. Uh, I've seen some decent reviews of this one, so I'm curious about it. And it's going to be out on VOD as well as digital on May 3rd. That's tomorrow. Um, Then on May 5th is a show that you actually caught the first episode of, Clark. Tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit about this one. Yep. Uh, it's you're following this dude who wants to be known as one of the greatest criminals of all time, and he's kind of retelling his own story. Uh, like another movie that came out not too long ago, Aileen, that decides to do some interesting special effects on putting the present-day actor's face over a <laughs> much younger version of themselves. Uh, you have these very goofy kind of flashbacks d- detailing, you know, how he became this iconic thief. Uh, he kind of wants to be his own little good fella. Uh, it's done in a different language. I, Swedish or something? I don't know what language it is, but I don't want to say it's Swedish. Uh, but you're practically just following his journey to become one of the most notorious criminals. Yeah. Uh, on his it's side. the dude who coined Stockholm Syndrome in one way or another, right? That's what they're, they're saying in the description. Is this so? Yeah. This is oh, who wow. I mean, it's Pennywise himself, <laughs> so he, he definitely has a very creepy, uh, creepy yeah. look. So uh, that will be out on Netflix on May 5th. Also on May 5th, season one of Julia wraps up. This is the show about Julia Child uh, starring, what's her name? Is it Alison? Uh, oh, no, it's Sarah Lancashire. Yeah, Sarah Lancashire is the star of this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, this is one of those shows that, again, has just kind of been like a victim of how much TV there is to watch right now. Because I thought this one looked really charming, but I didn't get around to it. You said you watched a little bit of it? I caught the first two episodes. I thought it was a really good performance from her. Uh, there was also the Julia doc that came yeah. out last year that was also uh, being pushed for Oscars because it was also Sony Pictures Classic. So I'd say if you were able to catch that one and this, it'd be like a nice little doubleheader. Nice. The show that we're really excited for on May 5th is Mike Myers's Return. Coming back, baby. It's the Pentaveret, this intriguing comedy mystery show coming to Netflix on, as I said, May 5th uh, with Mike Myers as well as some other funny people uh, involved, including Keegan-Michael Key and Ken Jeong. Also, Jeremy Irons is in this one. Uh, I'm just excited for Mike Myers to be back. I mean, obviously, it hasn't been the greatest track record with his last couple. I don't know if there's any secret love guru fans out there. Not me. Um, Stop. But man is a comedy legend. He is a genuine icon. And if he's part of, if he's the creator of a new show, and and they're keeping it under wraps the way that they are. They don't want anything to be spoiled. I am. I'm very very excited. I'm I'm just keeping my fingers crossed with this one because it 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 can go a couple ways, but I'm hoping it goes our way. It can. can, I'm hoping it goes our way. 
another very intriguing show dropping on May 5th is The Staircase. This is the dramatization of the extremely famous true, co- true crime doc series of the same name that tells the story of Michael Peterson, a crime novelist who is accused of killing his wife Kathleen after she's found dead at the bottom of a staircase in their home. Uh, it has a very good cast, including Tony Collette, Sophie Turner, Michael Stolbar, Colin Firth, Dane DeHaan, Odessa Young, Rosemary DeWitt, and Parker Posey, as well as some other recognizable faces. It's a very interesting story that, depending on which telling of it you listen to, even involves owls scratching out eyeballs. But uh, I'm very curious to see how they do it in this telling of the story, because uh, there's... You know, obviously with true crime stuff, there's always disputes over how things went down. And I don't know, I'm not as up on this case as I used to be. So I don't remember exactly who Mm -hmm. who everybody's mad at online. But I'm curious to see whether or not this can become kind of like the definitive version of sorts. Because the other thing that's interesting is it's good director. too. uh, Who's the director of this one? Oh, Antonio Campos. Antonio Campos, who did devil all the time yeah. he did christine simon killer those are those are pretty good movies dude yeah exactly and you know uh one of the other things that seems intriguing about the show is it looks like they're going to make the making of the documentary a part of the show so i'm very curious to see how they handle that as well uh the Bam. staircase on I- may 5th then we got a few interesting things happening on may 6th uh some movies Coming, uh, including a nice in Anais in Love is hitting VOD. That's one of the best reviewed movies of the year so far. Along for the Ride is on Netflix. You said this one's coming from. Is it the writer or the director of uh, To All the Boys? I believe it's the writer from the books for To All the Boys. This would be another one of hers getting adapted for Netflix. So I know it's a lot of hype yeah. for it. Uh, the biggest movie that is hitting theaters this weekend is obviously Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, directed by none other than Sam Raimi, the superhero filmmaker GOAT, of course, returning to the genre many years later. Does he still have what he had in Spider-Man 2? Or will the MCU we'll find machine out eat him up? Yes, we will find out tonight. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this right now, Zach. I want to come out of this movie saying that it's better than Spider-Man 2, Zach. If I can come out of this movie. Sorry, dude. No, it's not happening. You can't be disappointed if you just set yourself up for disappointment (laughs) already, right? I think that was what the last character said in the last MCU movie we got. I'm going all in. I'm putting all my chips on the table, Zach. I've heard some rumors. I've heard some leaks. I am. You've seen some leaks? I've seen some leaks, unfortunately. I've, I've. I don't even know what's true now anymore. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. But you and I are catching it tonight. Uh, I don't know if our screenings are going to be in 3D because that's a big push. You cannot see this movie in IMAX in most places unless you're getting those 3D glasses. So I think they have stuff up their sleeves, man. They wouldn't have brought them back. My theory is that the MCU looked at DC and said, you know what? Forget hiring indie directors and then just turning them into a machine. Uh, let's finally let's finally hire some right. talent. I guess let directors direct. Crazy concept. I- I'm hoping this is the beginning of it. Or maybe I'm going to completely hate it and uh, it'll be a horrible start to me. We will be back next week talking about that in an after credits. So make sure you see it this weekend so you don't get spoiled when we talk about it. And uh, I think we said we want to do our Patreon hangout after that after credits. So if for Dr. Straight, I mean, from what we're hearing in the leaks, 
Yeah, so if you want to you want to discuss yes, with right. us, make sure you're a, a patron of the podcast over on patreon.com slash intercutpod, and we will be doing our, our patron hangout next week post-Doctor Strange 2. A very we'll different... also be talking about happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, it might be the better of the two movies. I think it will be. Uh, this one, which I think was it's a solid. Venice Film Festival premiere last year. It's got some awards from that, I think. A really interesting drama from France uh, about a woman's, uh, a woman's uh, d- plight for an abortion. It's almost like the, you know, 1960s France set, never, rarely, sometimes, always. Although that's, you know, obviously a really reductive way to talk about a movie, but it's just like a very unflinching drama, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. also one of the hardest scenes to watch I've seen in quite a while, but... I think in terms of the way that it really puts you in her situation is very compelling. The the actress is very, very good here. I, I would definitely keep this one on your radar. It's a very solid movie that right now is only opening in theaters in New York and L.A., but it'll expand very shortly and we'll keep mentioning it as it hits VOD and stuff like that. Sounds yeah. good. Another one that we caught at Sundance 2021, though, was Human Factors, a very intriguing German drama about uh, a family that experiences a home invasion and how that starts to pull them apart. They do a very intriguing nonlinear construction to the story in that like you see some of the things that you see the end a little before you see the beginning and the way that uh, it keeps going back and giving you new information recasts the rest of the story in your eyes. It's cleverly written. I don't know if it really has like the hammer that you want in stories like this, but it's a, it's a clever little movie. I think I liked it the most out you of did. our group, so I would recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lux Eterna is hitting theaters in New York. It is the... It is the film from Gaspar Noe, who did, I don't think this one has had an American release yet, so that's exciting that it's out there. It's mostly out there uh, to promote Vortex, which is his latest new film. Yeah, he's got two. Yeah, yeah. so hopefully that one expands to your area soon. Uh, one that won't be expanding theatrically to your area, your area, but you will get it on Netflix is... Oh, wait, I clicked on the wrong Marmaduke. This is the 2010 Marmaduke. There is a 2022 Marmaduke coming to Netflix starring the voice... You just didn't want to. The vocal stylings of Pete Davidson. Um, This one is embargoed for review, so even though I've seen it, I'm not allowed to share my thoughts, but Art hasn't seen it. What do you think about Marmaduke? I can't wait to experience what looks like the worst animation. And again, I haven't seen it, so I'm not embargoed out of anything. Uh, the worst animation I've ever seen in a trailer. Dear Lord. Uh, you said it was Pete Davidson voicing mm-hmm. the dog? Uh, we'll, we'll see, then. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We will see. Uh, and then finally, on May 6th, Tehran returns to Apple TV Plus for a second season. Uh, this Israeli set show has gotten some excellent reviews and I know a lot of people who are really into it. So I'm I'm excited to, uh, potentially catch up because I, I never got around to that first season, but now that we're getting a second season, uh, this one's back on my radar. So let us know if you've watched Tehran because I've heard a lot of good things about that first season. Yeah, I'm good. Um, but I think that's about it for the new to see, which means we got to give you our picks for the week. Art, what are you recommending people start out with in Picks for the Week? 
Um, obviously, in theaters, you're going to have a slew of stuff. So if you haven't caught up on any of the picks that we've had for the previous weeks, do that now, especially with Doctor Strange coming out. I'm sure people will be going for that. Uh, I'm going to recommend Bell, which is out on VOD now. This is an anime that came out uh, technically at the beginning of this year, but it was up for Oscars uh, for last year. And it pretty much follows this young girl who, after a bunch of trauma growing up, realizes that she has a really nice outlet in this virtual world that has been created where she can have her anonymity and be this big pop star i really like the way that they created this world uh, i thought the voice acting was done pretty well and the animation is superb so put this one on your radar if you're interested in watching a movie in the comfort of your own home uh but the other ones i, I just keep doubling up now that undone is out my twofer of undone and russian doll uh, over on netflix over on prime i think that they're both fantastic uh, series that follow really intriguing main characters on a crazy journey they both look incredible i think russian doll uh, we talked about this a lot last uh, week, has some of the best shots in a TV series of this year so mm. far. There are some just beautiful uh, images that they display as she's traveling across this train. Um, so yeah, Undone and Russian Doll, put those on your radar. Very good shows. A lot of good shows going on right now. I feel like I've recommended Atlanta enough times that I don't need to do You're it like again. TV guy, yeah, bro. Uh, I, I will probably recommend Barry a lot, but you know, it's starting its run, so definitely recommend Barry. My biggest recommendations right now are Winning Time because it's about to wrap up its season. So make sure, like, if you've been waiting to kind of Very binge good. him, now is a good time to start. It's an excellent show uh, for the basketball fan and non-basketball fan alike. So I recommend that one over on HBO. I would recommend Better Call Saul on AMC because that's just... In terms of TV craft, it's hard to get a lot better than that. The directing is unbelievable. The writing is superb. The acting is amazing. Just a great and consistently underrated show. Like, no matter how much praise Better Call Sal gets, it stays underrated, which is a crazy thing. Like, that mathematically should not be possible, but it is. The Pentaveret, the only show I'm recommending that's not out yet. But that's how much confidence I have in Mike Myers. So hyped. I'm going to be so disappointed hope, if this is the Love Guru 2. Let's hope, man. man uh, I, I really, really want this one to be good. So we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it more next week. And then in terms of theaters, look, there's like a big movie, uh, multiverse movie that everybody is really talk, talking about and excited about and telling their friends about. You got to see everything everywhere all at once in theaters. Like that's the movie to go see in theaters this week. Come back out. Uh, it's yeah. They say it's being released in IMAX again. I don't know how that's going to work with uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange taking all those IMAX stuff, but that is a movie that I want to catch in IMAX, considering they know how to work their ratios in that mm -hmm. film. We didn't talk about uh, the fact that this movie is just killing it at the box office, just refusing to go away or cower to bigger movies. That's good. It, it did an insane weekend of zero of a 0% drop. Like I've never even heard That's of insane. that for an indie movie. Like a those, 0 yeah, those are crazy numbers. It's it. Those are crazy. It's numbers. Awesome. It's so cool to see. And it's it like, Ultimately, it's a great argument in favor of this kind of like limited theatrical release style, this word of mouth style that as frustrating as it is for movie fans like us who want to just like go see the films. It's been amazing that this film has gotten so many people to come around to it, has brought people out to the movie theaters in ways they weren't doing since pre-pandemic over, over a film that is not really recognizable in the way that a lot of big box office hits are recognizable. So cinema isn't that Movies aren't dead. The theaters aren't dead. Because it's been dying dead. since like 1965, yeah. bro. So I don't know. 
RIP movies are dying, I guess. RIP the RIP. What else is there? What else is there? I did not mention, but I want to give a quick shout out to a couple film festivals that are also uh, happening in the next week. If you are in the New York area or the Los Angeles area, there are some options for you. The Harlem Film Festival starts on May 5th and runs through the 15th. A lot of interesting stuff playing there. And the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival also runs from May 5th through May 13th. This one has a few films that we've even talked about on Intercut, Intercut, including the South by Southwest award winner, Bad Axe, the Sundance award winner, Leonore Will Never Die, and a few other Sundance films, Every Day in Kamuki, Free Chol Su Lee, and the South by Southwest movie, Omayari, a song film by Kishibashi. So movies that we have given our thumbs up to, sometimes are, are like very eager thumbs up to, are playing at these film festivals. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're if you looking that to catch something early, you got some chances both in the New York, New York and L.A. areas. Nice. All right, so I think that's about it for this week's podcast, but uh, we'll be back with maybe later this week even with some after credits or some yay or nays. Let us know if there's something you really want us to talk about, especially if there's some news. If there's some recent happenings in the world of the entertainment that we haven't talked about that you want to hear us talk about, please leave us a comment. Shoot us an email at intercutpod at gmail.com. Just get in touch with us any of the normal ways you do. But again, that's about all for this edition of The Weekend Must Watch. Catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram or Letterbox at Zshevich, the Z S H E V as in Vortex I C H, and check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter, on YouTube, on Letterbox, and in whatever multiverse you're going to be at this weekend, because after this, I am just so sick and tired of everyone. It's going to just do multiverses to death, bro. I want to go to the multiverse verse where there's no such thing as multiverses. <laughs> I, I, I missed that we'll time that already. One. We'll find it soon. Uh, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I happen to like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekly Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. We actually hit the 3 p.m. this week. We did it. We're back to normal. I'm back home. Uh, please leave us a comment, like the video. Consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much requested five star review. Five and star. another shout out to y'all in Ecuador for putting us on the TV and film podcast charts out there. Big, big moves there in Ecuador. Uh, like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at IntricatePod to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Cut and also, as we mentioned, make sure you go and check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where for as little as one dollar a month, you can support the show and help us produce more podcasts, as well as get access to episode outlines early, get access to the intercut patron-only channels of the Discord where we can chat, or our monthly hangouts where we actually meet up with you guys on Google meetings and break down whatever you've been seeing and whatever you've been watching. So if you want to yell at us about movies and what shows we should be watching or what opinions we have that are bad, only takes $1 a month to do that to our faces. (laughs) Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, we'll see you in the multiverse without more multiverses.